All right. Uh, if you have a Bible this morning, you can turn to Acts chapter 3. I'm going to read from there in, in a few minutes. Um, we're going to talk today about what happens in a city where people have significant time with Jesus. When people spend time with Jesus, what happens? Uh, and let me read from Acts chapter 4, verse 13, before we go to Acts chapter 3. Because this kind of sums up the, the whole deal today. Uh, Acts four thirteen says, Now as they observed the confidence of Peter and John and understood that they were uneducated and untrained men, they were marveling and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. That, that was the thing that they noticed. These men are different. Uh, they're doing crazy things. They've been with Jesus. Uh, there is an anointing that comes from being in the presence of God. There, there is an anointing that comes from being in the presence of God and from being filled with the Spirit of God that causes a simple human invitation to become a supernatural invite from God. Now, you can invite people. You can invite them to church. You can invite them to your home. You can invite them to your small group. You can invite them to enter into a relationship with the Lord. You can invite them to an alpha group. You can do that. But I can promise you that more fruit is seen from supernatural invitations from the living God. And the only way for that to happen through you and me is if we spend time with the Lord, if we give ourselves to the presence of God, and if we are filled by His Spirit. So during this time in Acts 2, 3, and 4, Jerusalem is turned upside down by the activities of the apostles. And uh, the events only made sense to the people of Acts four thirteen. The, the events that they were seeing, what they were witnessing, only made sense in the context of these men have been with Jesus. That, that was the only thing they, they could give it, only label they could give it that would make sense of it. So the kingdom of God is both the word of Christ being proclaimed and the works of Christ being done. Uh, and not just in the church building. This is the thing really that we've been focusing on for the better part of a year, is that the whole point of the church is to get out of the church. The whole point of the gathering of the saints is to be trained and equipped in this house so that we can be sent out into the city. And so what we're after is we're after the formation of a body of people who is very comfortable being a Christian outside of the church building. It's, it's comfortable here. You're among friends. Might not be too outlandish to think that you could say the name of Jesus in a church and not be looked at funny, although you might. Not too outlandish to think that you could even physically demonstrate your love for him. But can we, as a body of people, demonstrate our love for him outside of the building? Can we be expressions even of his love 
outside of the building, in the community, because that's, that's really what we're after. And Acts chapter 3 <clears throat> is an example of a body of believers that transformed their culture. They transformed their culture. So we're going to take a look at that, and then we're going to kind of break it down a little bit. So this is beginning at Acts 3, 1. We're going to read all the way through to Acts 4, 4. So take a deep breath and, and go with me. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Y'all know the song, right? Okay, we're not going to sing it. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent, then, and turn to God, so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. And you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring all peoples on earth will be blessed. 
When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days. Chapter 4. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Now let's pray. Lord, I pray uh, that you would speak to us. Uh, we know that you have a word that you want to bring, things that you want to say to us, things that you want to do in us. And so we invite you to come and to have your way here today. We, we need to encounter you. We need your presence. We need to engage who you are. And we need to engage the fact that you are actually here among us. Nobody here came to sit and listen simply to the words of a man. We came to hear from you. And so, Lord, I ask that you would speak. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I wanna, let's just kind of break this story down a little bit. So, uh, first of all, we have just the situation or, or the condition that's going on here. This, this is a story about a man. It says that this man has been lame from birth. Uh, he's not some uh, scammer, you know, who's just trying to pretend like he's lame and raise money. He's not that. This is an actual man who has been lame from birth. He's taken to the same place uh, every day, pretty much. Verse 2 says, they brought him to that particular spot every day. He was crippled. He was helpless. You could say he was stuck. His life was where it was. It wasn't going anywhere new. It wasn't going anywhere different. Every day was the same. Every day was the same. Wake up, get some friends. They take you to the place. They put you in your spot, and you sit there, and you beg. That's his life. So that's the situation. Now, the second thing we, we look at is the expectation. Well, what is the expectation that is going on here? How many of you understand that expectation determines action? Do you, do you know that? So my, I, I've told you before my dad's favorite joke, and I, I used to make fun of my dad because he told his favorite joke so much, and now I realize that I have told my dad's favorite joke more than he told his favorite joke. But, but his favorite joke goes like this. There's a man who's training to be a, a paratrooper. He's in a class people being trained to jump out of airplanes, and they get to their first jump, and the instructor tells them, I'm going to count to three, you're going to jump, you're going to count to ten, you're going to pull your ripcord, and your chute will open. If it doesn't open, you pull your emergency cord, and your chute will open, and when you land on the ground, there will be a truck there to take you back to the base. Man jumps out of the plane, counts to ten, Pulls his grip cord, and nothing happens. Pulls his emergency cord, and nothing happens. 
And as he's screaming past his classmates, he looks at one of them and says, I bet that truck's not there either. (laughs) He has bad expectation. Now compare that to this. True story. True story. A man, an instructor, training people to jump out of airplanes. And this woman jumps out. And I don't know if her parachute failed or if she just panicked. But he notices, as the instructor, and he's free-falling, he notices that her chute has not opened and that it is past time for her chute to open. And he positions his body like a torpedo, and he zooms through the air and intercepts her, crashes into her, holds on with all the strength he has, pulls his ripcord, chute opens, they both land safely on the ground. The news is there in no time. Ambulances are there, news trucks are there, and a news anchor or a reporter, field reporter, sticks a microphone in his face and says, What were you thinking? What made you react so quickly? And he said, true story, someone was about to die in my zone, and I didn't like it. Someone was about to die in my zone, and I didn't like it. Expectation determines action. So what do you expect? Here's what this beggar expected. He expected that if he asked Peter and John for money, they'd give him money. That's what he expected because that was typical for the day. It was expected that if someone asked you for money, if if a beggar asked you for money, that you would give to them because that was valued in their tradition, in their culture, and, and even in their religion, it was valued that you would give to the poor. In fact, uh, the three greatest expressions of faith in their culture were worship, the Torah, and showing kindness or charity. Worshiping God, studying the Torah, and giving to the poor. Those were the three greatest expressions. So he expected that Peter and John, as men of faith, would give him money. And their society would have expected that they would do that as well. And so the challenge for us is, as believers, what does the culture expect from us? What has it become, the norm, for our society, our culture, our community to expect from the church? And if it's not a good thing, can we change it? If the community has come to expect judgment rather than mercy or disdain rather than love, can we change it? One of our staff members sat with uh, an administrator from a local high school recently and said, how can we help you? And he said, you want to help us? 
And she said, yes. And, and he said, what do you want from us? And she said, nothing. And he was brought to tears. He almost wept in front of her because it's not what the community expects. And so we want to change the expectation. And then there's the response. Uh, Peter and John, don't, they, they don't respond the way the man expected them to. Uh, I don't think it ever crossed his mind what they would, that they would respond like this. So the first thing I want you to notice about Peter's response is, not, is that it's not at all expected. Uh, the man expected money, and he expected that he would be given money without relationship. You know, he expected possibly that the man would just, you know, that Peter and John would just throw money on his blanket and not even look. Because, I mean, that really is the easiest way, isn't it? Let's just not look. You know, let's just throw something at it. Maybe that'll fix it. But I don't, I don't really want to look at it. And the first thing that Peter does is he stops and he looks at this beggar, this poor, lame man, and he says, look at me. Look at me. And what Peter is saying to this man is something that has probably never been said to him. He's saying, look me in the eye. You matter. You matter, and I am willing to have relationship with you. I'm willing to extend relationship towards you. Look at me. I'm looking at you. Look at me. No one probably has ever said that before. And, and even so, he may have thought, if he's a, a skeptic at this point, he may have thought, well, he wants me to look. He's calling attention to this whole thing because he, he's going to put a lot of money on my blanket and he wants to make sure that people see it. But that wasn't, that wasn't it at all, actually. The truth is, Peter and John didn't have any money. If, if Peter had said to him right off the bat, I don't have any money, that would have been the worst news that this man had heard all day. But Peter, first of all, says, look at me. And then he says, I don't have any money, but I do have something. So kingdoms, Peter's response is not just unexpected, it's kingdom. He makes a kingdom response. He spoke to the man in faith. He looked at where the man was. He's seeing clearly where the man is, but in his mind's eye, he's seeing where the man can be. He's looking at this man prophetically, and he's saying, I see a man who can't walk right there, but right here. I see a man who can. He is able to see through the eyes of the kingdom where the man can be, and then he makes a choice based on that. He makes a risky choice based on that. But his expectation determines his action. I, years ago, I, I was in Brazil, and uh, I saw a man 
we had been praying for people in, in this church, and we had I'd preached that day. We had ministry time. It was an amazing time. We had seen some people uh, saved and filled and healed and delivered. And, and on the way out, I saw a man in a wheelchair. And I just had the thought that that man should walk. And I said to him, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And then I grabbed him by the lapels of his coat. And I pulled him out of his chair. And I said, walk. And I turned him loose. And he fell back in his chair. But I didn't fail. I didn't fail. Because I stepped out in faith and took a risk. The only failure where risk is involved is not risking. <clears throat> so we have the, the situation, the expectation, the response, and then there's the result. Uh, the man is healed. Peter says, I don't have any silver or gold, but in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the man is healed. And there are a couple of things we need to notice about this healing. Uh, number one is... He goes with Peter and John into the temple to worship. How many times do you think he's been there before? None. Eric, I'm sure you, you're dying to get up here and tell us why. Uh, he, <laughs> he's never been able to go. He's never been allowed to go because he's crippled. Crippled people are not allowed in the holy place. He couldn't go into worship, but now he can. And so Peter and John, they don't just speak healing. They speak destiny into this man. This was the thing that he was created for. This is the thing that you were created for. This is the thing that hundreds and thousands of people in Cobb County were created for and haven't realized it, don't know it, aren't walking in it, and won't walk in it unless we call them into it. They were made to worship. We are created by God for God. And our highest purpose in life is to worship Him. We will do that forever. And there are people out there who will never get to do it. They'll never get to do it unless... We have an expectation that determines our action. And we learn to invite. So he goes into the temple with Peter and John, worshiping, fulfilling the destiny, his destiny for the first time, because Peter was willing to risk faith. And then also on top of that, as we read on through the story, in chapter 4, verse 4 says that because of his healing, 5,000 people, Come to faith. 5,000 people. God used the miraculous to get the people's attention. And then Peter steps up in a, in a brilliant PR move and says, you know, this man is crippled, but God sent Jesus and you condemned him to die. Jesus, you know, God sent Jesus to, to heal this man and to save this man and to save you and you, you killed him. And, and Pilate was ready to let him go and you killed him. And, and 
the reason that he died is because, well, you killed him. You know, it was a brilliant PR move on Peter's part, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Why? Because it was true. It was true. So God used the miraculous to get people's attention. Peter steps up and he gives a strong word and the people respond. And we tend to think that if we can get people to believe, then maybe we can ease them into the miraculous and the supernatural over time. But let's, you know, let's be slow and let's be careful. And Peter and John apparently had a different strategy. They believed, let's just let the supernatural power of God explode in the community center in front of everybody and see how many people say yes to Jesus because of it. And they had a pretty, pretty good return rate. We tend to think, eh, people aren't ready for that. Let's just give them a little bit and just bring them along slowly. You're not supposed to be comfortable with the miraculous. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to be comfortable with the supernatural. Maybe you could be comfortable with the natural. But the supernatural is supernatural because it's not natural. And it's supposed to make us uncomfortable. And that's okay. It's okay because it's that discomfort that disrupts our soul and our spirit and causes us to go forward. If our expectation is God is doing something or God will do something or God has done something and will do more, our expectation will cause us to have an action of increase in risk. If our expectation is, oh, this is not going to be good. This is not going to be good. This is going to be so bad. If that's our expectation, then our return is going to be limited. How many of you, when you go to the beach, you just expect that it's going to rain all week? <laughs> Raise your hands because I'm not going to the beach with you. <laughs> Some of you are thinking, well, it does. Every time I've ever been. <laughs> what is your expectation? Because I, I promise you, expectation will determine action. And God is looking for people who believe, who expect Him to do stuff. So then the third result, so he get, the man gets to go into the temple, many people are saved, and then the third thing that happens is that opposition arises. Peter and John are right in the middle of this revival that's breaking out in the community center. Peter, Peter and John are taken to jail. Um, and I, I guess the thing that we need to recognize about Peter and John going to jail is that you should expect that too. Now, I'm not saying you should expect to go to jail in this day and time. I'm not going to even say that to Ashton with her grandparents sitting next to her. Um, but if you're in a place 
where that's common, then maybe you should expect it. In, in America, we typically don't go to jail uh, for being a Christian. But you, you may be shunned. Uh, you may be rejected. There are things that you should expect. And the thing that, that we need to understand is that you, you don't have Acts chapter 3, which is Peter and John healing, speaking healing to the lame man. You don't have Acts chapter 3 without Acts chapter 2. You know what Acts chapter 2 is, right? Acts chapter 2 is Pentecost, where the, the disciples and the other believers are in the upper room and they're praying and they're, because God told them, Jesus told them to wait for the Holy Spirit. So they're in the upper room and they're waiting and the Holy Spirit is poured out and they are filled with the Spirit of God. Acts chapter 3 doesn't happen without Acts chapter 2. And we shouldn't expect Acts chapter 3 without Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 3 is the glory of God blows up in the community center, Acts chapter 4 is opposition increases. We've talked about spiritual warfare lately. And uh, I, I had one of, my, one of my favorite people at Riverstone say to me, and we were talking about, you know, opposition. And we were talking about being offended and, you know, choosing to forgive and uh, spiritual warfare. And, and she said, okay, 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 I get it. Now, can we spend a few weeks talking about blessing and prosperity? And, uh, of course, she's kidding. But, you know, that's, we think that way. You know, we just, we just want to focus on the goodness of God because he really is good. He really is. But he didn't promise us, if we followed him, that life would be easy. In fact, he promised us the opposite. Jesus said, in this life, you'll have trouble. And so, we make a conscious choice when we say, we're going to get outside of this building and out into that community, and we're going to have an impact for the kingdom of God, and we're going to transform this community for the glory of God. When we say that, we are also saying, and there will be people who won't like it. But more than that, there will be principalities and powers who will violently oppose it. And if principalities and powers are not opposing your actions, you need to reconsider your actions. If the actions that we're choosing, if the way that we're living is invading the darkness, they will oppose you. Expect it. Don't be afraid of it. Because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. But don't expect it to be easy. Just expect it to be fun. <laughs> so the man is stuck. The man is stuck. His life is going nowhere. And so the question for today is, do you know anyone like that? Are you 
anyone like that. Stuck. Can't go forward. He expected the expected. Are you willing to represent a body of people who will do more than is expected? Instead of always doing the right thing, are you willing to become a person who does the kingdom thing? If we risk, if we will risk kingdom responses, we will sing we will see kingdom results. If we are satisfied with human responses, we'll see human results. It's, it's not much of a, of a comparison. So, we're going to go into ministry time today with, with this in mind. Uh, people who are stuck and want to get unstuck. Uh, we want to pray for you today. People who are afraid and want to get unafraid, we want to pray for you today. People who just want to be prayed for for the courage and the strength to go out there and do the stuff, we want to pray for you today. Okay? All right. Uh, why don't you stand? Our teams are going to come and get in place and uh, the last group of people which actually should be the first group of people that I want to pray for today is if you're here today and, and you're hearing this and you're saying you know the truth is I've never said yes to Jesus I've never put my faith and my trust in him maybe you've you're new to church maybe you've been in church your whole life but you realize today I've never really put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, I would like to do that today. We would love uh, to pray with you today. And uh, these people up here would act, actually, they'd probably stand on their head for a chance to do that today. So that would be great. All right, let me pray and then you can come. Uh, Jesus, we love the way you work. Holy Spirit, we, we love the way you work, the way you point to Jesus and point to the Father. And we just pray today that God would be glorified, that you would have your way right here in this place, that every desire of your heart would be met. Jesus' name.